ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. It's Friday, November 6, 2015, a glorious, warm day uh, here in Tampa, Florida. Uh, not a cloud in the sky, it's just been beautiful. Uh, today we have a, a very interesting topic, and I, and I have to say we have touched on this a couple of times as an ancillary topic to whatever we were discussing, but we have never hit it head on. And the name of the book that we're going to be discussing today is Mending the Sisterhood and Ending Women's Bullying. And our author today is Susan Skog. Susan, welcome. Thank you, Chickie. I'm delighted to be with you in your community. Well, I uh, have certainly been on the receiving end of bullying, and I am sad to say I have probably also been on the end of unwittingly bullying other women. So I am very, very interested in this topic. As you can tell uh, from our pre-discussion, I'm a, a type A individual, and, and uh, I generally am flying at about uh, 40,000 feet and, you know, kind of swoop down in when other people are, are operating more efficiently at ground zero <laughs> and at 10,000 feet. So I know because of that, I have uh, have uh, caused some damage myself. So I am looking forward to our call today to mend some of those things and make me aware of some of the things that I've done, because I, I think that that is uh, the first step to getting better. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's it's totally what I say in the book is that, you know, we all play a role in this. We all play a role. We all fall into this at times, and it's just a matter of, like, deciding, okay, is that is that what I want to do going forward? And, and a lot of it is, you know, how much fun are we having? <laughs> and so I think it's <laughs> that self-check of all of it, too. Well, Susan, you have written a bunch of stuff. So before we talk about your current book, and you know, you certainly can mention some of the other things that you have written, I would just love to hear about you personally. You know, I, again, thank you so much for having me, Chicky. I so look forward to this. And, and I view myself as a women's writer in different capacities. You know, I, I think that women really are the most powerful uh, force on the planet. And I love collaborating with women and championing women and working with women. And so I've written both women's books about women's spirituality. Embracing Our Essence was my first book in the 90s, and that sparked a lot of the women's spirituality movement and some conferences. And then I um, have advanced in the last 15 years. I really was drawn to women and girls' issues in the developing world. And I feel so, so fortunate to have you know, many blessings myself, and I just was drawn to looking at ways that I could help women in, in from Africa to Asia, whether it's accessing safe water or helping girls' education. And so I, I have done that as well in working with various nonprofits. And then this particular book just kept calling to me for for quite some time. Um, and I, to me, this is if I look at if I look at women and how we really are seizing so many opportunities right now, and all these doors are opening for us. To me, this is maybe women's next challenge to really look at. If we want the world to look at us differently, we need to look at one another differently, I think. Don't you? 
Yes, absolutely. Without a, without a doubt. And, you know, I just, I love some of the other, other titles and topics you've written about depression and radical acts of love. And, and so let's, let's dig in a little bit. Well, first of all, I mean, you obviously spend a lot of time writing. What else do you do in your day job? You know, a lot of the, what I've done over the years is, I have this right now. This is my day job, speaking out on this issue and and championing this book. But I've also done a lot of writing for nonprofits, whether it's website production, um, whether it's championing issues with with funders and partners. I, I've helped nonprofits, you know, find partners uh, around the world so that they can advance their causes and they can get more visibility. So I've helped nonprofits get on the on uh, NBC Nightly News and sometimes working with producers on the Today Show. Um, and over the years, I've also done a lot of public relations for uh, government agencies. I work for universities. I've also done public relations writing for hospitals and healthcare. So I, I like to say that I, I bring good, <laughs> I like to say that I bring good stories to light. And a lot of times, you know, they're untapped stories. They might be a woman who's on fire in Uganda for the first time getting her first paychecks and transforming her village or her part of the world. And I love to capture those stories and share them with top media or or top funders or top partners because I do think that we're all getting more connected and yeah, we're all absolutely. in this together. Definitely. Well, so let's just dive right in because, um, you know, you, you talk here in this book about, about the where and the why and the how that women are bullying each other and blocking and shunning other women. And you talk about this not only uh, in conference rooms, but, but also in cul-de-sacs. And, you know, I live in a very small community uh, within the Tampa area, but I live in a, a, a kind of a private neighborhood within a private neighborhood. We we um, are, are set aside from from the larger neighborhood that we're in. And so it's been very, very close-knit. Uh, but because I'm so different than all these other women, um, you know, I, I don't fit in very well. And so I am quite certain that when we are at parties and various things that they – they look at me differently and not perhaps embracing them, but that's not really what's happening. I just don't don't feel comfortable, um, you know, chatting the way that they do, and and you know mm-hmm. things that I perhaps perceive as as trivial, not because they're lesser than than what I am interested in, but just because they're so very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and I think that is one of women's challenges. You know, the the. We we need to become more comfortable, I say in the book, with honoring a woman's individual walk in the world. You know, we all we all are going to have such a different signature with how, how our days play out, you know, how we dress, what we love to do with our right. time, what our passions are, what our conversations look like. And I think women need to honor that. We are going to have such incredibly very, you know, differing um walks in the world, and and so that whole judginess, you know, I think sometimes women fall too much into, and again, we all do it, we all fall into that judginess of of commenting on, you know, what another woman's doing, and I, what I keep reminding myself is if I start falling into that, I need to look at myself and say, okay, how confident am I, you know, am I doing that because I'm not real confident in what I'm doing right now, maybe mm-hmm. I'm drawn to doing that because I'm dealing with some of my own stuff right now. So it's, I think it's that idea. What I say in the book is if we applaud one another more, um, right. 
we all are. It's a whole rising tide lifts all boat theory, and and, and it's going to be you know fireworks time then. <laughs> exactly. Well, you start the book very in a very interesting way, talking about the queen bee, and and you the the chapter has the subtitle extinct invisible and widespread what's true so tell us the story of the queen bee mm. you know the the queen bee and uh also there's a a woman i interviewed executive coach peggy klaus who i think is brilliant she also calls it the pink elephant in the room you know it's the it's the the, the issue that we've often sidestepped wanted to push under the rug, ignore. Um, A queen bee or a pink elephant might be another woman who, for whatever reason, is holding other women back. Mm -hmm. She may be blocking in the boardroom. She might be shunning women in the cul-de-sac. She might be trying to put younger women in their place, or conversely, it might be a younger woman who's being abusive to an older woman. Um, And it's everything from... Gee, I never got your. I, maybe you said you sent me an email about that, but I didn't receive it. So it's sometimes a sabotage that happens in the workplace. Yes. But it's also those subtle things, you know, the snide comments. I know when I was writing the book, I kept saying, and I don't want to hear one more story of this because, it, you know, it, it, I, my objective is to shine a light on the shadows, but sometimes the shadows can be pretty heavy. And, you know, I even heard of, like, the cool women in the yoga classes who were ridiculing and making snide comments about another woman who didn't have the coolest yoga clothes. So it's that, again, that snarky, judgy, you know, right. throwing shade on another woman. And why are we doing it? You know, it, it, it's hold, it holds all of us back. And I think it is the challenge for all of us to say, I, you know, I want to uh, let's bring the Wonder Women inside of us out. Let's don't bring out the worst of us. Oh, exactly. And, you know, again, I love the way that you start the book of of the quote from Alexandra McFarlane of women can't continue to change the way the world looks at them without changing the way that, that they look at each other. And that's that's how you really opened this whole dialogue is is that we we have to figure out why we do those things. Right, because as mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, I don't think less of the women in my neighborhood. I just, I don't know how to connect. And so that lack of connection, you know, makes it look like that you're judging when, when really I'm not. I just don't feel comfortable. And, and that's a really mm-hmm. different set of circumstances. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, back to the queen bee analogy, because I, I really love, um, you know, the, the story there. So why don't, why don't you tell why you opened the book uh, with, with that story? You know, to me, I, I I also opened the book with some individual women's stories. And the the queen bee is actually the whole idea that, because um, I'm not sure exactly which particular story um, you're referencing, but what I started the introduction with was I sat down with a group of women, women I didn't know, women who said they wanted to share their experiences mm-hmm. with this queen bee or with a female bully. And they asked me if I, I would meet with them and hear some of their experiences. And one by one by one, they all went around in the circle and said, you know, I work in an entire office um, that's mostly women, and I have to say, you know, there's we sometimes have to walk on eggshells around one particular person. Another woman said, I started in a new position at a company where one of my friends worked. I thought this woman was going to be my biggest cheerleader and my biggest supporter, but she ended up tearing tearing me down and not celebrating. 
my successes with me. Um, she, she said this woman became very passive-aggressive, and she pretended like I didn't exist and was jealous of projects I took on. So, you know, these women all shared their queen bee stories of, and again, sometimes it was women who weren't even in the workplace, but who would just talk about going to the playground, Chicky, and trying to connect with other women, like you were describing, just trying to connect with other women and not being able to connect, but also sometimes feeling like there are other women who just shunned them and, and ignored them and left them out of, you know, the, the, the group. So it's, I think it this plays out in so many different places, and I think it's what I'm finding is women are telling me, oh, thank you so much, and, and they'll feel that way about this show as well. But women have been saying thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about this issue because I've experienced it, I've witnessed it, and sometimes I've perpetuated it. Right. But it's so empowering to shine a light on it so that we can transform it for something greater. Right, right. Well, it's so interesting because one of uh, one of my business colleagues, uh, who's also a very dear friend, we were talking the other day about uh, these these other two women. Uh, and both of them are kind of peripheral to our lives. They're not they're not central, but they're people we have come across in business over the years. And and you know, both of them have kind of said behind each of our backs. Uh, bad things about the other and and you know we both shut that down you know in in not wanting to be a party to that but in the in the space of a couple of days both of these two women uh actually like chimed in on a facebook conversation uh in, in a positive way and and we were both so shocked that you know that after you know there's been all this passive aggressive behavior that all of a sudden they turned around and were being nice and and um so, you know, I mean, it happens all over with people who are, are confident of themselves and, and those that aren't. Um, but but the, these queen bees are flying around all of us, and, and they, they make us question, you know, did, did we do something to hurt them? Or, you know, why would they be mean to us? What did I ever do? And, you know, I mean, my mother uh, just kind of raised me that way, that, you know, as long as you're nice to everybody, nobody's going to be mean to you. Well, that, that isn't the way the world has played out. But my mother had, you know, just this incredibly generous heart. And yeah. so every time I've found that somebody doesn't like me, I, I'm actually stunned until I realize how they perceive my behavior rather than seeing into my heart. Yes, and I think it's, you know, so much of it's not about us, isn't it? You know, what, what I what I learned, I learned so much in the process of writing this book because I can so relate to what you're saying, Jicky. You know, the first time I was bullied by another woman, I thought, too, I thought, I, oh, I thought well, did I imagine that? Did she really say that? Like, it was just crazy making. It was so hard for me to fathom because I was raised the same way. And uh, then the more I researched the book, you know, the more the experts I interviewed, like corporate uh, executive coaches and psychologists and life coaches and others, you know, they kept reiterating, this really is about the the individual. You know, it's if we're kind to ourselves, if our self-talk is generous and loving, we're not going to turn on another woman and and um, be a bully. But you know, a lot of times the bullies or the women who are l- less unkind, they're they're doing that to themselves too. Um, and so it you know it, it just really I think the more we and and that's what I'm hoping the last half of my book is all about. How do we 
empower ourselves? How do we shine from our own worth? Like how do Mm -hmm. we really unleash that Wonder Woman inside of us so that we're more inclined to to really support one another and go higher? But at the same time, you know, what you're saying is so true. It's... We do have to talk about this because it's it's it it is so counterproductive to what right. we want to do, and exactly. It makes, and it makes men question us. You know, we want <laughs> gender balance. You know, we absolutely right. say we want gender balance, but we can't. You know, we can't be be preventing each other from shattering these glass ceilings if that's what we we really say we want. And right. and again, boy, I'm telling you, women are applauding this message because they're living it. You know, they're living it. Um, they're living it in mom's groups. They're living it in corporate settings. They're living it in academia. And so right. it's, I'm loving the feedback that I'm getting that this is a, is as tough as it is, and it's not the easiest conversation, but it's so empowering at the same time. Well, and it is. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because the second chapter of the book talks about honesty and transparency being the way forward. Yeah. And I, I'll just share briefly another story out of out of my experience. Uh, I, I worked for years in in a very large uh, technology company, and the the CEO was a woman, and uh, she actually lived in a separate city from her husband, and was I think at the time in her early forties and had never had children, and you know I had concocted this story in my head about her. Right of of why she was a workaholic and you know living in a separate city from her husband and all all of these things and years later um, we actually became business partners and I found out some of the details behind the circumstance that I never in a million years would have guessed and you know it wasn't sordid or or, or awful or anything it was just one of those things about life um, but you know I realized that this storytelling that we do unless we ever get the chance to talk to the other person and say, you know what, when you said this, I thought this. What was really behind that? And, you know, is that what you're talking about with this path forward of honesty and transparency, of of actually confronting it head on? Yes, exactly. And, you know, and more workplaces, for example, are doing that because they're saying that if we – it's part of the reason why women – versus women conflicts have risen is that we've we've not had the transparency. You know, we've sidestepped it. It's been squeamish and, and I get that. It's tough. It's tough to have more transparency and more honesty around this. But the workplaces that are addressing it are finding it's just what you're describing. You know, it's misunderstandings. It's maybe misperceptions. Um sometimes it's gossiping or lies that were spread and suddenly everybody assumed that that was, you know, that was fact because if they heard it over the cubicle, well, you know, if they've heard it five times in the cafeteria or over the cubicle, it must be true. So it's shining the light on the shadow and having these conversations and hopefully game-changing conversations to say, you know, what is this conflict about? And and, and some of the women I interviewed said, yeah, you just, if you're feeling like, if you're feeling like you're being bullied, Typically, that's a pretty good, you know, you don't. That's a pretty good intuitive conclusion, and so bring it up and say, "Hey, I'm feeling this isn't feeling good to me. Um, you know, what's going on here? What's with this?" And to try and take it to a higher level and to advocate for yourself because silence isn't golden. 
it's complicit, and we, <laughs> right. we really do need to look at that. And I'm applauding, again, so many – I just spoke at a conference in Denver uh, a week ago, and there were like a 1,000 women there. And I'm telling you, there were so many organizations that said, you know, we've just started addressing this issue, and it's like a breath of fresh air because – None of us want to live this way, and we want to go to higher ground. Um, so it's it's pretty awesome. I think there's some amazing shifts happening for sure. In Chapter 3, you, you use what it feels like a, a conversation opener, why I felt compelled to jumpstart this conversation. Is that mm-hmm. what that is, is a, a way to actually start that conversation? Yes, part, and partially I wanted to show, you know, why I – I don't write a book because it takes so much. It takes so much passion and effort. I normally don't write a book unless I'm inspired, and so I right. wanted to show that I didn't just wade into this. Um, that I, I really felt called to do the book, and I was inspired. And so I talk about how over my career, you know, I'm, I'm turning 60 this year, and over my career, I've seen this issue. I've been on the receiving end of it. I've witnessed it. I've heard about it, you know, over and over and over. Um, and I've even, like, and I said I was drawn to write about it because to me there's so much at, at stake in the world for women and girls right now. And it's like there's this conga line that we're all called to join um, with because everybody wants to invest in women right now and people are championing women's causes. But we can't keep doing the mean girl salsa if, if right. we're being called to jump into this greater dance. So when, you know, when I was experiencing it more, mm-hmm. even in the last you know, 15 years, I thought oh, – I. I thought about this book, and I really reflected on it and thought, okay, I've got to write this, because I do think this is women's next challenge. Um, and it's if we are going to achieve all the things we say we're, that we want to achieve politically to uh, the arts, to in business, and in humanitarian causes, we've got to own this issue. We really have to go there, and we have to say, okay, how do we better collaborate? And how do we better come together as a force? Um, right. Otherwise, we're going to fracture our our greatest opportunities, and we don't want that. So what is at the root of these women's conflicts? Is it that we just aren't truly self-confident? We don't know who we are? Uh, it's a, and that's the big question, you know. Just it's like bravo. That just the fact that you're you're asking that question, oh, Chicky, because I think that helps if we understand it. You know, the women women I interviewed, um, and I interviewed about oh. 35 women and then gathered stories and accounts from another 15. Um, They said a whole host, I have 25 reasons why it happens. I I could have literally had another 25. But a lot of it is that confidence piece. It's if you're not, if you're not in love with yourself and if you're not feeling worthy, if you're feeling that another woman succeeding is somehow going to tear you down. You know, if you believe that it's, some women have this idea that it's a zero-sum game, and I better claw and fight for everything I can earn, because if I don't, another woman will take it away from me. And and we have to we have to realize that that's such a false, crazy idea. There's infinite possibilities for all of us. It's not a zero-sum game. 
And if I rise, again, we all rise. If you rise, we all rise. And so it's a lot of it's this belief that we got. You know, a lot of women got this belief uh, from their mothers, from their aunts. Um, and there's also that whole perfectionism, I think, don't you? There's a lot of people I interviewed said that whole perfectionism game that we feel we have to play or we're going to be torn down. You know, we have to... We've got to be kinder and more generous with one another, and we're still learning how to do that. It's We're still kind of early in this game, too, don't you think, in terms of gender balance, because women haven't been professional women in the workplace all that long, really, when you right. look at the arc of time. And so many women still have that idea that I'm not about to let you, um, you know, up here at the top with me. But I think that's giving way. I really do. I've got so much hope that a lot of that is giving way because the younger women coming in are more, they're much more tribal after, you know, after hanging out on social media and going to <laughs> soccer games together and right. you know, have, forming their peeps around them. I, I am so excited. I think a lot of this is going to fall away as we, as we start shining a light on it. Well, and I think you're so right that there there is uh, something about the different generations, and I'm I'm just a couple of years behind you age wise, um, but I've got kids who are really young. I've got uh, you know a, a sophomore in high school and a senior in high school, and you know versus other women my age who uh, have grandchildren, and I, I've got those too. But uh, because we uh, essentially adopted our nanny, and she now has children, so I, I've got grandchildren from from that relationship. But okay. so when I go to school, where my kids go to school, all of their friends' parents are uh, a full generation <laughs> younger than I am, and and so hanging out with them uh, I, again, this has been another huge huge stretch for me and you talk in in the next chapter about uh you know the power to create positive connections relationships and workplaces mm-hmm. and uh you know you acknowledge throughout this book that we aren't one dimensional you know we've got our work self and we've got our our neighborhood and home self and maybe our church self and our school self and all all these things but we have to navigate using the same set of tools and you talk about it being the power to create those those connections relationships and workplaces and and I love setting it that way because you make it sound like nothing is being done to us that we actually have the power to shift all of that I know and don't, and I think that's a huge crux of it don't you it's it's realizing that you can choose you can always choose to to be the you know I always say really it sounds it's not a cliche it's like to me it's as powerful as it gets if we realize that we can choose to be the light wherever we go and whether it's going, stepping into the workplace or or going to the you know the book club meeting or or the book fair at school it's being the woman who sees the best in another woman or who doesn't engage in gossip when it starts to disintegrate or right. who or who disconnects from you know I interview women who disconnected from a toxic group of women who are just constantly throwing shade on other women and and I think that's where I'm finding there's so many great things happening right now chicky like women are saying hey let's create conditions where we don't just survive but let's create conditions where we thrive and um, there's a group in Denver, for example, and they have to bring women together so that they so that they learn how to connect and enjoy connecting more. They do a, it's called a mentor's walk, 
and it's women of all ages. They gather in the summer. They do yoga together outside first, and then hundreds of women um, connect different generations together and then they walk outdoors and and just share stories or challenges and get advice Mm -hmm. and guidance and it's you know i think it's that kind of thing like it's learning how to connect and knowing that your walk in the world is 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 really powerful and i've i'd love the celebrities too you know i I was saying i love jen aniston um because She's been talking about, hey, it's time to, when people keep trying to get her to comment incessantly about the supposed feuds between she and Angelina Jolie, and she says, hey, let's you know, start celebrating great work and stop with the petty kind of silliness. It's right. just tiresome and old, like an old leather shoe. And Jennifer Aniston says, let's buy a new pair of shiny shoes. And I think it's that whole idea that we have the power to step into some really shiny shoes right now. Like, why would we go back to those same old leather queen bee shoes that are too tight um, anyway? So it's it's rock and roll time, and I think that's that's what I try to convey in the book. It's like it is. we've got some really powerful things right now to, um, to seize and enjoy, and we can't do it if we're still locked into some of the old behaviors. Right. And, you know, the next chapter talks about putting your dignity, health, and happiness first and choosing mm. what lifts you up. And, you know, I look at, uh, again, my own, my own life, and I have spent the last uh, seven years building companies, and because of, uh, you know, the financial circumstances around building companies, I uh, sold our office building and moved home and have largely been working alone. Right. I mean, I work with many people, but mm-hmm. it's remote and and by phone and and uh, and I'm not. I'm spending so much time by myself, and I'm not uh, engineering time to uh, be in places that lift me up, mm-hmm. and and really thinking about my my health and my happiness because I'm spending time you know, building my company and then, you know, what's for dinner and, oh, the kids are going to be home soon and, oh, what did I forget to do, right? And, oh, right now we're putting so much money into the company, I can't afford to have somebody clean my house. So now I also have to think about laundry and, you know, things that I haven't had to think about in the past. So how do we make that choice uh, to put dignity, health, and happiness first and and not to get sucked into life, I mean, which which, uh, is what sucks most of the life out of us, by the way. (laughs) I know, and it's like (laughs) there's so many fabulous opportunities anymore. And I think we all face that challenge. I don't know a woman who isn't facing that, dealing, grappling with that right now, Chicky, because that seems to be the whole deal. You know, women say even, I'm so, there's so many exciting opportunities, like I'm enjoying this, there's so many fabulous things to do, but yet we're also, yeah, we're, we're, we're taking on so much right now and burning the candle at all ends. And, you know, all I can, for me, all I can say is, is I just, I just try and I have to, for me, I have to schedule it. Like I literally have to say this is going to be my time of day when I just chill out, whether it's yoga, whether it's some meditation, whether it's walking outdoors. And because I love, you know, especially with, with social media now and the Internet, as a writer, 
um, and a communicator because I do a lot of public speaking. I love connecting with people, but all of a sudden I realize it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm still connecting with people, and I haven't done. I haven't disconnected. I haven't unplugged. So all I, you know, I can only comment that for me I have to unplug in a scheduled way where I say this is where I'm checking out. You know, I and and our children are, are older, um, but I think especially with women with young children, I hear that from the women I meet with now. They say that they, some women I know, you know, have done this together, where they'll say, okay, we're gonna we're going to help with each other's, you know, children for an hour or half an hour, so that we can have these moments to ourselves, but. Because it's it's because our culture keeps telling us to keep revving it up and keep going for the you know carpe diem baby because there's right. so much you know so many great opportunities, but we're gonna we burn out too quickly you know we aren't machines and I think that's what happened so many times during the recession is that women were scrambling and scrambling and scrambling to stay ahead and to get further ahead and. You know, and we're seeing the fierce layoffs and and women versus women bullying rose during the you know during the soft economy. Oh, and definitely. You know, if we take better care of ourselves, we'll take better care of of you know the sisterhood big time. Right, right. So the next chapter talks about using your voice for good. Give us that context, please. Yes, that's you know, and I think that may be the one of the most powerful. Chapters and one of the most powerful things I hear now um, shared from other women, and as I discuss the book and go outward with it, it's this whole idea that, you know, I can't tell you how many women have looked at my book cover and gasped literally and said, Oh my God, you're talking about, you aren't talking about kids bowling in school, are you? You're talking about, Oh wow, you are going there, aren't you? You're talking about women's bowling. Um, wow. I mean, I've, that's the first reaction I hear over and over because we haven't used our voices to talk about this issue. It's still a taboo topic um, in a lot of circles, in the media. Media is just starting to wade into it more in the last couple of years. So, you know, what I what I really encourage people to do is, and I have have guidance in the book, whether you are in a bullying situation, whether you're being bullied, whether you're witnessing it, I have recommendations for how you use your voice to stand up and say, this is not, you know, this isn't good. You know, I deserve better treatment. Um, and to call it out and to ask managers and HR directors, for example, to hold people accountable. And then to try and have those conversations in your workplace. Um, I've loved hearing back from offices where they're literally having conversations about, okay, how do we talk to each other? You know, we're not liking how it's feeling here. There's some snarky stuff flying, you know. You said this to me on Wednesday, and I'm still stinging from it on Friday. Like, so I've heard back from workplaces that are, they're using their voices to have these conversations about, okay, what, what ground rules do we want to set here? for how we interact and how we lift each other up. Um, right. But, you know, cute. Susan, I it just occurred to me, and, and literally, I mean, just this very minute, that we, especially those of us who got into the boardroom or onto executive teams early in life, as I did, mm-hmm. we watched the way men talked to each other. Mm-hmm. And when men 
have have it out with each other, like 10 minutes later, they're having lunch or they're on the golf course together and they're fine, right? They don't they don't hold that grudge, right? They're not made that way. It just doesn't penetrate, I guess. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. perhaps some of this began because we thought we had to act that way, but we're wired completely differently where those words do penetrate and we can't go and have lunch or if we play golf, go play golf with her because of what she said or did to us. And and I'm wondering whether that was a learned behavior where we were imitating what we thought was successful. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fabulous observation and and that's absolutely what people have shared in my book too is absolutely, you know, we were taught to be tough, we were taught to be like the dudes on steroids. Um, you know, be tough, be tougher than the guys if you can to be successful. Yeah. And, and absolutely, you know, don't show any don't act like a woman, don't show any emotional, uh, you know, reaction. So it's really imploded. Um, you know, Chris Northrup, uh, Dr. Chris Northrup, I was on her show this week, and I remember she was the first woman I heard who coined the term junior males. And <sighs> she said w- women were conditioned to be super tough junior males. But, it, it, but as you said, that's not who we are. You no. know, women are more relational. Women want to champion the common good. Women want to collaborate. Women's styles of management and leadership, it's a very collaborative, how can we all, you know, bring our strengths together. And the men I'm hearing, it's fascinating, Chicky, because the men are applauding my book. I've had men who've, like, purchased my book and given out copies because they want women's leadership styles now to come to the forefront because a lot of men are are seeing that that, their their model didn't serve us so well in a lot of areas. You know, well, we're, not we're, only that. I mean, companies with women in leadership and women on boards are more profitable on absolutely. par with those yep. that are run by men. And, yep. you know, it's funny because I'm building this new technology company, and I've really tried to bring women in. I just haven't found the right mix yet. And, and now I find myself uh, surrounded with all men again. Um, so I'm, you know, looking for, for board members who are women just, uh, you know, to get the balance back. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I want to make sure I, we have time for the last uh, three chapters of the book where, where you talk about the sisterhood with women and strengthening that. And, and you highlight uh, strong choices. So, you know, I, I want to hear about those things that we need to be making better choices and strong choices on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, I absolutely was committed to writing half of the book with these women's strong choices. And the Mentors Walk is one of them. Um, Mentors Walk, again, brings women together, just hundreds of women from different generations. And they come together to learn how to connect, to enjoy connecting. Because really, it's I love the quote at the beginning of that chapter. It says, a circle of women may be the most powerful force known to humanity. If you have one, embrace it. If you need one, seek it. If you find one for the love of all that is good and holy, dive in, hold on, and love it up. And that's what, you know, some of the corporations I talked with are creating the best environments for women. You know, they're creating mentors for women. 
they're creating support for women when they come back from maternity leave and asking women, what do you need? You know, how would you be happier here? And then the women versus women gatherings, the mommy bloggers and the women's entrepreneurial bloggers, man, they're leading the way on this by speaking out on this issue and saying, look, you know, we're undermining all of us if we're holding back another writer or another blogger. Um, and so they're creating ground rules about of engagement. They're asking for more, and they're monitoring and holding each other accountable with more respectful mm. talk. They're calling it, you know, zero tolerance for snark, zero <laughs> tolerance for the mean girl, um, you know, for the mean girl nasty stuff. Hello Giggles was the first uh, really popular online community I found, and it's now teamed up with People Magazine, they put it out there in their editorial guidelines and, and said, point blank, hey, we're not publishing any mean mean girl-on-girl stuff. We're not doing it. We're not take, we don't want your takedown pieces. We're not publishing those. So it's, you know, I think it's the groups, whether it's a hospital, because I'm hearing hospitals now are really addressing this with women, and they're they're declaring number one zero tolerance for the bullying, but then number two they're really shining a light on okay how do we lift one another up? How do we help one another? We're not always going to agree, but how can women have conflicts? You know, how can we have just regular conflicts without feeling like it's a life or death situation? And women too often, yeah, they don't know how to deal with conflicts. So we're all still learning to yeah to come together in a really powerful way. Very, very interesting. So as we move on, the next one is, is really how I framed things in the beginning, and that's how do you bust your own bullying? How do you, how do, you do that self-check and, and see if your behavior really is intended as bullying, right? Whether there's something in your heart that is, is um, behaving this way uh, to gain that higher ground, even though you've lost ground in trying to do that, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, or is it that what I had had shared earlier, that being misunderstood, uh, you know, I remember trying to connect with my neighbor. Uh, she's not a personality that I would naturally ever have affinity for, but we were, uh, we were all together at her house. I don't even remember who, you know, who else was around. But I was asking a question about the kind of vocabulary that her son was learning at his school. He was a year ahead of my son, but they were the same age. Mm-hmm. And she somehow thought I was trying to put him down. I, I don't know. It was a perception thing. But again, all I was trying to do was find some common ground of conversation. Absolutely. And and so, again, I, I have since been very, very careful about what I say around her. Um but but what does that self-check entail? Because it, it's got to be the difference between uncovering intended bullying and things that you just do in the course of your life because of the personality that you are that is perceived as that. And it has the same outcome. The other person feels bad, right? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, what you described, too, is so, it's so it's those misperceptions are everything, aren't they? It's, yes. Because I think, Women tend to blow those misperceptions up more and feel like, you know, because we are, we're still learning how to own our power and we're still learning how to use our words 
with greater finesse and elegance and power. And we're still learning how to walk in this world in a way that, you know, we so that we know our worth and we own, and we seize these opportunities without looking around. You know, too often times we look around for affirmation that we're doing the right thing. So I think that whole self-check part is for me. I wanted to say because I, the whole book I keep saying this isn't about pointing the finger at anybody. It's human nature for any of us to judge, to comment at times. You know, at times we can be a little mean and mean-spirited ourselves. Sometimes we get caught up in the gossiping, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, my God, 20 minutes have gone by. I thought I was going to just be in this conversation for five. So it's – and then other times, you know, we realize we we maybe didn't make a choice that was empowering for another woman. Um, and so it's what I say in the book is the the whole idea of it is is to just look at the authentic parts of your own life. You know, when were you? When did you let your jealousy go wild and maybe lash out at another woman instead of looking at your own insecurity and why you were jealous to begin with? Or, or when did you? When did you make it tough for another coworker instead of championing that person? A woman I interviewed. I just love some of the the most inspiring women in the book. At times, were the women who stepped forward. And fully said, "Hey, I gotta call it. I gotta call it and say I was a bully." You know, in that chapter, there's a woman named Elizabeth who said, "I have to. You know, I'll raise my hand and say I did it. I surrounded myself with negative people. Um, I allowed myself to get sucked into drama. It w- I knew it was against my true character, but I did it. I became harsh to coworkers." You know, she said one time she. She would do stuff like embarrass uh, fellow coworkers in meetings, set them up to be embarrassed, and then she finally right. realized, oh, my God, this isn't who I want to be. So I think it's like just that whole sense of we all play a piece in this. We can all, we can all transform this, um, and we all can shine the light. And, like, how do we bring our best self to really kick it right now because there's a lot of fabulous things we can be doing instead of some of this other stuff. Right, right. So the next to the last chapter of the book uh, really addresses the topic of leadership. Mm-hmm. And and this kind of behavior that you are describing uh, of, of really mending the sisterhood, deciding that you're going to set the stage for this new kind of behavior, this new kind of communication, this mm-hmm. the healthy relationships and, you know, healthy workplaces. What else is behind that? You know, I think a lot of it is, again, going back to yourself. You know, how secure are you in your own decisions? How confident are you in your own walk going forward? And then really surrounding yourself with positive people, believing. You know, a lot of women have told me they don't, they never felt like they deserved um, having positive people who cheerleaded for them. Um so owning your worth and knowing that when you surround yourself with positive people, amazing things can happen because it is about aligning with a greater force. And then finding people who are collaborative. Um, the workplaces that have zoomed in on collaborative initiatives versus purely competitive initiatives, mm-hmm. again, their bottom lines are so addressed. Um, their bottom lines are are so rising, and I think it's that's what we all are called to do right now is to say, okay, what can we activate right where we're at um, to really make sure that we're championing one another and 
supporting one another versus it, it's I think it comes down to me it's are you part of a movement or are you are you, are you not because I think that there I'm convinced there's a tipping point right now and I'm hearing it from boardrooms I'm hearing it from hospitals I'm hearing it from insurance agencies nonprofits universities right. and many of them are saying look let's shine a light on this let's call it for what it is let's create zero tolerance for it and then let's look at ways that we can learn these new skills to better collaborate. And that's what's happening everywhere. So in conclusion, uh, and actually in the conclusion of the book, uh, you continue on that thread of being a part of that movement and being a force for feminine good. And, you know, I, I know as the mother of a, a 17-year-old daughter that it, it really begins uh, so early in life. And, and I look at how she behaves and, and how, uh, how much time she now spends sewing into other young women. I mean, she just got back uh, from a, an eighth-grade retreat, and my daughter's a senior, and she was selected as what they call ambassadors at their school to, to mentor uh, the younger girls uh, because middle school is just such a horrible time of bullying, and even in a Christian school where she goes yeah. to, um, you know, there are a fair share of those mean girls, right, mm-hmm. who, who uh, mm-hmm. that's just their norm. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that they really think about being mean. It's just the way they behave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a habit. You know, that's, a, I think, it, I think it's a habit yeah. for a lot, of, for a lot of mean girls and for, for women. It's, it's becomes a chronic way of moving in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so once you've gotten that wake up call, you've done that self check, you've realized what you have been doing uh to hurt others, you you are now confidently leading and you're taking time for yourself. How do you actually become a force for feminine good? You know, I think it's like deciding right where you're at that you're going to weave women together. You're going to create conditions where women can thrive. You're going to champion women, and you're going to call women up to something greater. Like there's a woman I know uh, in in Colorado who I adore and wove into that part of the book, Cinda Collins Arsenal. She's a mover and shaker and change agent in this. And she, one way in which she's done this is she said, hey, there's a lot of women working in humanitarian causes, in nonprofits, to support women and girls in the world. But I'm noticing they're not communicating as well as they could. They're not coming mm-hmm. together and collaborating. They're not they're not always even aware, you know, who's doing what. So she's created an annual gathering. It started in just in her backyard and I went to that and it was absolutely so magical and empowering. And at one point, for example, you know, these were women I knew we were all competing for funding, for visibility for mm. respect and I knew some of the women and didn't necessarily feel a strong connection with some of them at all and probably vice versa. Cinda had us all at the end of the gathering. Um you know and again there was yoga and other things in her backyard, but at the end of the gathering she had us all form a circle and hold hands and look around at one another and realize that we together could accomplish so much more and that we were a force. So it's like that kind of thing of just reminding ourselves. Like, So that since then, that was so popular that it's exploded in size. 
and now you know hundreds and hundreds of women attend these gatherings. So I think it's that type of thing. But it's also, you know, I've heard it even in small ways. There's a woman I talked with who said, you know, I've got a group of colleagues um, all around the country, and we have online meetings, you know, once a week, twice a week. She said those meetings used to be so toxic until finally we said, look, we're spending a lot of time together, guys. (laughs) We're spending a lot of time every week in these online conference calls. Can we agree that we're going to be kinder and maybe even weave some humor into it and hold each other accountable. Right. Um, And so she said they've shifted it. She said, now that's like my favorite, that's one of my favorite groups of colleagues. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny that you raised that because the Executive Girlfriends Group and the Friday call at 4 o'clock started eight years ago on actually National Girlfriends I didn't even know National Girlfriends Day existed, let alone that I started these calls on that day. But that's our anniversary is is August 1st uh, of 2008. And the weekly calls were a place for us all to transition from our business selves to Mm -hmm. our personal selves and to have a place where we could talk about the high points and the low points of our week. And, you know, it was only later that we added the content piece of of interviewing. And, you know, it's sad to me still that here we are eight years later still doing the interviews, which I love, but we no longer have the camaraderie of people calling in. And, you know, everybody just got, you know, so busy and doing more with less. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we've tried different times of the week, and, you know, it just hasn't really panned out. Out. Um, but I, I want to read uh, just one other quote that you have. It's actually in Chapter 8 of your book, and it's uh, very much of what you just talked about. A circle of women may be the most powerful force known to humanity. If you have one, embrace it. If you need one, seek it. And if you find one, for the love of all that's good and holy, dive in. Hold on and love it up. And and I will just issue a challenge back to the women who listen uh, to this interview, uh, whether you're listening on Blog Talk Radio or on our our uh, uh, channel on iTunes, or whether you know you're a part of the Executive Girlfriends Group already. Join us on Fridays at four o'clock. Call in. Talk to our authors. Talk to each other. And and let's mend the sisterhood and and uh, be a force for good. Susan, thank you so so much for your time on a Friday. I know uh, it's always precious uh, getting the last few things done before you head into the weekend. But uh, it has just been terrific. Oh, Chicky, thank you so much, and for all you're doing with your community, I, I applaud you. I you inspire me, and I'm just it, to me this just gives me so much excitement to know all these different women who are coming together through communities like yours and yeah we are going to be like creating we are a powerful force for change and it's it's a fabulous time to join that conga line and and really dance to the to into the next chapter so thank you so much i love that and susan if people want to connect with you on social media where is the best place to start um, I have a Facebook page under my, my name, Susan Skog, S-K-O-G, author. And so my Facebook page is a, a great place, and there's a lot of women who are jumping on to that. And, you know, and then they're sharing ideas about how they lift up other women right where they're at. You know, maybe they're mentoring. Um, 
maybe they're just advocating for something, but maybe they're just pulling women together into, yeah, some fun gatherings to get to know one another more. So, yeah, Facebook is fabulous. Okay, well, terrific. Well, again, thank you for joining us this afternoon for the Executive Girlfriends Group. If you'd like to know more information, we have also a Facebook group, which is our public group where all of the calls are posted each week to let you know that you can join. And then we have our private Executive Girlfriends Group, uh, which is the membership part of our organization. And you can learn more about that on executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. Thank you, Susan. It has been absolutely terrific. And the next time I am in Colorado, I am absolutely going to let you know. Beautiful. I'd love to see you. Thank you again, Chicky. Have a great weekend, all. Okay. Terrific. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chicky Fitzgerald. Oh, 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 oh,